Welcome to the CSC Podcast. I'm Phil Haas, Director of Marketing and Communications for Classic Stage Company. On today's episode, we'll speak with actor Eric Lochtefeld, who plays Banquo in the CSC production of Macbeth. We'll talk with Eric about his experience in the show, as well as some of his previous work, which includes the Broadway shows Metamorphoses, King Kong, and Misery, where he acted alongside Laurie Metcalf and was the standby for Bruce Willis. That's all coming up on the CSC Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Some of you may know my guest today from his appearances on stages all over New York City, actor Eric Lochtefeld, who is currently playing Banquo in the CSC production of Macbeth, has most recently been seen on Broadway in the musical King Kong and in the Roundabout Theatre Company's production of Napoli, Brooklyn. Eric has also been seen in productions at Playwrights Horizons, Primary Stages, The Public Theatre, Second Stage, MCC, Ars Nova, and many more. I'm very glad to welcome him to the podcast today. Thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So let's start off about this production of Macbeth. You're almost two months into the performances at this point. Oh, no, we're almost done. I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> and how has the run been for you so far? It's been great. Um, I haven't done Shakespeare in a while. so And I think there's a, a number of us in the cast who haven't done Shakespeare in a while. So it's been a real treat to, to come back to it. It's great to work at CSC. It's great to be in this theater. It's a very unique and beautiful space. And I think so many of us are used to doing Shakespeare. My last Shakespeare was um, in a larger theater. We're very used to doing Shakespeare mostly outdoors. And it's very, very unique and great to be able to do Shakespeare in an intimate environment like the one here at, at Classic Stage. And I'm really excited to work here. And it was a thrill to work with John Doyle, our director, who's a director that I've admired for, for many years. Can you talk a little bit, a bit about the process with John and, and what that is like compared to other experiences you've had with other directors? Or Sure. Why don't I start with the audition process? Which sure, is sure. incredibly different from most. You know, John is um, Scottish, so he comes from the, the British tradition of auditioning, which is much more of an interview. It felt more like what you might do for a, f a film audition or something than a theater audition. So it was really unique it was basically you entered a room he's very punctual as um, anyone who's worked with him knows and um, uh, there's a table with some a glass of water and you bring in some text but mostly he just sits and talks to you about the play about you um, for about 15 or 20 minutes you might read some text you might not read some text so it's a very unique process then being in the room with him um, he's deeply respectful of actors and deeply respectful of the process. So, um, and it's very easy back to be deeply respectful of him. So I, I think he knew a lot of us were nervous about coming back to Shakespeare for those who hadn't sure. done it in a while. And um, he set up an environment that was incredibly free. We were free to do whatever we wanted, go wherever we wanted. He of course shapes everything um, over time, but there was a real freedom in the room and a deep respect for our work um, and then a deep respect f for uh, what he does too. So like when you are back from break, you know, we all get breaks um, in the middle of the day, you are back <laughs> from break, um, <laughs> which I really appreciate. And everyone was super respectful of that because he's so respectful of us. We did a lot of work with the text, um, 
blocking is incredibly impermanent. It changes day to day, but there's something that's great about that too, because you may have thought about a scene in a certain way with a certain blocking, and then um, you just throw that away and try something completely different, but you still have that other work that you did. It's, it's like it all ends up sort of slowly building over time, but the blocking is up in the air until the very last few previews, yeah. Um, and then one other thing that's interesting, when John is done with his work, when he feels like he's done what he needed to do for the day, he's done. He's not going to ask you to stick around. He's not going to make you, this is part of that respect that he has for us. Um, and you, you notice that mostly in the tech process. You do these things called 10 out of 12s when you're adding all the lights and sound. And that means um, 12 hours, you work 10 of those hours. And um, uh, we never did a full 10 out of 12 with John, which is great. It's, you know, the, you sort of get yourself ready for a very long day. And he may go seven or eight hours and be like, you know what, I did what I wanted to do today, so let's all, let's all go home. He comes in very prepared with his work done. He expects that, of course, from you and for sure, you to come back sure. and do your work. Um, but I would say that the process was deeply respectful. And I also really appreciate that he's been around enough that he wants to work with people that are kind and nice. Most people in the profession are, but occasionally you find that people who aren't in John just isn't interested at this point in his life and his career and, and working with someone like that. So he he put together an ensemble of people that were um, there to work, to work hard, but also to have a good time. And, and everyone is really nice in the yeah. cast. It seems like you've always made a bit of a family with everyone that's here yeah. kind of linked together in that way. Yeah, yeah. We have a really good time all, all hanging out together. And it's an interesting mix of I love that it's a mix of like, from our like sort of oldest to our youngest. Do you know what I mean? Like we have um, uh, Antonio, who's just you know out of grad school, just out of Brown, all the way to Mary Beth Peel, who's you know uh, a legend. She's yes. uh, just like a fantastic, fantastic performer whose work I've admired for years. And I, I think that's there's something really great about that aspect of it all as well is that we have the entire you know canon of actors who are beginning, yeah. mid career, and then late career actors. That's great. Is there, um, is there anything you've discovered in performance of this play that's a little bit different than you expected either during the rehearsal or before you came to the project? Is there anything that's happened in the last couple of months even? Well, I'll, there, there's a f I'll tackle that in a few different ways. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, um, first and foremost, I, I, we spend a lot of time on stage. What, what John kind of asked most of his actors is that m most of his shows, everyone is sort of present and on stage. So we never leave. And it's a real treat to listen to the show every night. We have a great freedom. I mean, John's rules are, you know, there are moments that are very stylized and choreographed and blocked, and there are moments that are not. So we have a great freedom to, as long as we're thinking on the text and, and, and using the text sort of solely, we have freedom to kind of do what we want. So the performances can be quite, can be quite different um, night to night. And that, that's kind of exciting. And with a play like Macbeth, um, it's such a great text that there's something new that you hear every night. I think I, I work on a lot of new plays, which we'll talk yeah, about yeah. a little bit later. Um, but there's something about working on classics like this that they, they never stop giving back to you. There's always something new. They can embrace anything that you bring to it. And so John has basically asked us to come in every day be ourselves, be fully present with each other, 
and think on the line and think on the text. And that sure. is very scary. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you were also in this beautiful three-quarter thrust space, so there's no hiding anywhere. And my career has been sort of defined by mm, sort of creating characters to hide behind. Mm -hmm. And I have given myself, and John has given us the task to not do that, yeah. you know. We're not, there's no makeup, there's no costume changes when you're playing a different character. It all exists in the text. Uh -huh. um, and so that has been a challenge and, and a thrill. Um, so that actually, it brings me to, to another question I had. You're also the show's fight captain, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell the listeners a little bit about what that entails and, and what that role is? Sure. Um, I don't quite know how I fell into it. When we talk about <laughs> misery a little bit later, I can talk about that because I was a fight sure. captain for that as well. So I have done it before. And it just so happened that the day that um, Tom Shaw, who was our fight choreographer, who came and blocked all the fights and created them all, the day he came, I was available and around to be able to sort of look at what is he was creating and sort of take notes. And so I started doing that. And it just he just then asked me, do you mind... I'm being fight captain. It's important for someone to have someone who doesn't have a lot of fights. I only have one fight. Uh -huh. And um, it's important to have someone who, you know, can watch the fights. I, I, it's, it wouldn't be a good idea to have Corey because he's in all almost of all fights, the fights. Yeah. So it's not a good idea to have that person be the fight captain. Um, so Tom asked me to do it. I was happy to do it. Um, it entailed me um, watching the fights as we built them, taking notes uh -huh. um, as they were working the fights and when we had time to rehearse them during the, our rehearsal process, um, reminding the guys of, of, uh, of what the sequences were and the women, um, some of our women fight as well, um, and Jamie has a fight as well, um, reminding what the moves are talking through things. And then the big thing is over the course of the run is making um, any adjustments that might need to be made should any injuries sure. occur. Um, uh, I had to adjust the way I fell at the end of my fight. Um, uh, Barzin, who plays Macduff, hurt his back. So we had to sort of relook at a few sequences and talking through. I'll also watch the fights every night and note anything that I feel um, is not what Tom had originally intended, not what John had intended. I, mean, I don't have to worry about it that much. Corey and Barzin, who are in most of the fights, are uh -huh. the real pros. Um, and um, But I will note them on what might not be clear or if something mm. happens. You know, we've had a few nights, things happen. Of course. Knives cross, things fly into the audience, people fly into the audience. <laughs> <laughs> um, so talking through you know, how we can look at that and, and why that might have happened. Um, I'd say for the most part, I, I'm pretty hands-off with it. Yeah. Um, but we do run through the fights before every performance. Before every performance. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, sure. they're quite, when you see the play, they're they're quite intense, some of them, especially, um, you know, the ones that involve a death. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, the uh, I could see why you would need to do that kind of every every day before the performance just to get that in your bodies. Is that the, the reason it's for the that? the main reason. Yeah. What's also amazing is, you know, something can happen. There was a show where... Well, the guys in the middle of the fight, this was Corey and Barzin, and one of them lost a knife. They crossed knives and something yeah. flew. And it's so in their bodies now that uh, Corey just ran and got his knife, and they resumed exactly where they had left off. And that's just because uh, they had done it every night, and they knew exactly. They sort of looked each other in the eye, and they knew what the next move would mm -hmm. be. Um, and uh, that's a testament to 
um, them as performers, but also the work that we put in every day to, to make sure that the fights are safe. It's a 15 minute call, you know, we keep it pretty light, yeah. but it's important to go through it just to remind your body every day what you need to do. That's also our opportunity to check in with how everyone's feeling, yeah. how everyone's doing, if we need to switch anything up to, to do that. That's really interesting. So other than the fights that you watch every night, mm -hmm. is there another moment in the play that you really enjoy watching and observing either on stage, off stage? Uh, is there an, a moment there? Hmm, that's a great question. Um, there are so many. I really like it when Macbeth sort of comes back. You know, he has a break written in during the, um, what that could we call the England scene, which is a, scene, a long scene. It's yes. one of the longest scenes in Shakespeare between um, Macduff and Malcolm, which um, Rafi and Barzan do brilliantly. It's a very hard scene. They do it really well, and I get to listen to it every night. Um, and then... Uh, uh, after the sleepwalking scene, which is very moving, uh, uh, Macbeth comes back on stage and Corey is so free with the language at that moment. Um, he feels like he's invincible and it's, it's, a, it's kind of an exciting moment. We also begin um, spreading out more and more of the blocking. The blocking starts to spread out more over the space and he has freedom to kind of walk all over the space and he kind of does every night. So we always keep an eye on that just to see what he's going to do yeah, that yeah, night and how he's going to handle moments. And that's a moment I always really, really um, look forward to every night because it's, it's sort of a thrilling moment for the audience. And it's, it's, it's us sort of launching into the final acts of the play in a very, very exciting way. So I feel like that's a moment. I also get to watch the audience more in that moment. Oh, so see. it's fun yeah, to kind yeah. of where I'm seated, I get to sort of see them react to him, um, which I don't spend a lot of time doing the rest of the play. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what I... That's what you take away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. great. Um, so I'm, I'm going to play a short clip from the show just to give our listeners a taste of the play. Uh, this moment is, it's actually towards the beginning of the show when uh, Banquo and Macbeth come upon the witches in the woods and they hear a bit of the prophecy that ends up setting a lot of the play's action in motion. Um, in the clip, the first voice we'll hear speaking is, uh, is you, is Eric mm -hmm. Lochtefeld as Banquo. And the second voice is Corey Stoles. He plays Macbeth. And the witches that we'll hear later on in the clip, uh, they're played by the rest of the company members. Let's take a listen. What are these? So withered, so wild in their attire, that look not like the inhabitants of the earth, and yet her aunt live you. Or are you what that man may question? You seem to understand me. Why each at once her choppy finger laying upon his skinny lips? You should be women, and yet your beards forbid you to interpret that you are so. Speak if you can. What are you? All hail Macbeth! Hail to thee, Thane of Glamis! All hail Macbeth! Hail to thee, Thane of Caldor! All hail Macbeth! That shall be king hereafter! Good sir, why do you start and seem to fear things that do sound so fair? In the name of truth! Are ye fantastical, or that indeed which outwardly ye show? My noble partner, you greet with present grace and great prediction of noble having and of royal hope that he seems wrapped withal. To me, you speak not. If you can look into the seeds of time and say which grain will grow and which will not, speak then to me, who neither beg nor fear your favors nor your hate. Hey! Be none. So all hail Macbeth and 
So it's taken a lot of audience members by surprise that the witches in this production are played by all of the members of the company. Mm -hmm. um, when often, when you see the show, there's only three. Uh, Actually, textually, we mentioned a couple of times the three <laughs> weird sisters that there's only three of them. So it is yeah, interesting. It's yeah, three. But what has that been like for either you to play the witches, for all of you to play the witches? Do you think it's unearthed anything new for for the piece by it not being just three? Gosh, I, you know, I hate to like put any meaning on any of it because what's so exciting about John's work is that he's never trying to shove an idea or, right. you know, our production is not set in a very specific time. He's not, he's trying to let the text itself speak. And what's amazing about Macbeth is that it's so much of it is about the imagination. It's kind of about yes. how Macbeth's imagination kind of takes control of him and leads him to his darkest, darkest self. Um, so I hate to like put anything on what we're doing with <laughs> sure. the witches. I think it's, um, it's hard. It took a lot of work for us to be able to speak chorally in that way and speak together. Yeah. Um, and John let us be bad at it for a very <laughs> um, long time, which we were so appreciative. And he added more of it. That was one thing that changed a lot over the course of oh, the, really? the show is that he, he, he added a lot more choral elements. Um, it started with the opening um, of the play, which is sort of the witches coming on and, yeah. and introducing the play almost like a Greek chorus. Uh -huh. Um, and he liked the sound of that. And um, for him, it was a little bit creepy um, and it felt a little church-like, mm. and um, uh, which is something that the space invokes, I think. And also Certainly. there's a lot of Christian imagery in the text, which John was very interested in from his upbringing. Um, and so it took a long time for us all to kind of come together and be able to speak chorally in that way. I think what is great about it is it gives textually a lot of weight and force to what the witches say and what they say mostly is quite important um over the course of the play <laughs> because we end up repeating a lot of what they have told us as the play goes on just to remind people again and again what has occurred i think um what i think is super exciting about it is it gives us when we are not in a scene yeah. and sitting and listening a possible point of view so we could be our characters on the side listening, or we could be witches listening in to the scenes. And, and it can give us a way to be active listeners um, on the side with us. We're not necessarily having a point of view, but it makes us active in a way. Because I think most of us are feeling as though we are witches, particularly in the opening scenes of the play when we are not in scene. Um, so. I, it activates us in our listening. We can have a slight point of view about what we're listening to. And I, it says a lot about the nature of evil in the show. Um, I think if you could take something away, you could take away the idea that you know evil exists in all of us in one way or another. One thing that I learned most about Banquo is he's not a Boy Scout. He's not a perfect person. He has ambition. He pushes the witches to speak to him initially. He has an opinion about things, but he has reason and he has something within his self and brain that stops him from going down the path of his darker self. He always stops himself um, in a way that Macbeth's imagination does not allow him to. And Macbeth has a great speech about it where he talks about, you know, this was kind of his fault, but also 
he has a wisdom about him that 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 reigns in his his other um, darker ambitions and feelings. But I I I do think that we all have the possibility of evil in us, and I think that's a, a way of looking at the way that we have portrayed yeah. the witches is that it, it can exist in in all of us. Yeah in a way that's exciting. Macbeth isn't a bad guy. He's a hero when we first meet him, but he's, he led, gets, astray. he's led astray by <laughs> his own mind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, so switching gears, I'd, I'd mm -hmm. love to talk a little bit about your career and okay. other performances. Um, so prior to Macbeth, you came off uh, a fairly long run in King Kong on Broadway. Yes, 10 months of King 10 Kong. 10 months of King mm -hmm. Kong. Um, so that show especially in comparison to our show here at Classic Stage, is, is much larger, of course. Yes. Um, what, if anything, is different to how you, as an actor, approach a production of that size versus something like this? I had not been a part. Um, King Kong was an amazing experience. It was my premiere in a Broadway musical. So I'd, I'd been in Broadway plays before. I'd never been in a Broadway musical. And I'd certainly never been a part of a project that was that large. Um, I can say on a personal level, I'm much more comfortable. I'm here at Classic <laughs> here. Stage Company. Um, it's it's a world that I know better, the off-Broadway world. I've spent more time and I understand more. Um, that being said, they both have their own challenges and they both have their own um, amazing things they give back to you. Uh, they, are, uh, in my mind, are polar opposites in terms of the artistic yeah. <laughs> experience in which, you know, King Kong was next level technology. It, it say what you, whatever you want about it, it pushed the limits of what is possible on a stage to a new place, which was thrilling to witness and see. That being said, we would arrive every day completely dependent on whether this 20 foot tall right, technology, technology um, this amazing puppet worked, was functioning. For the most part, he worked extremely well. So we, we were very lucky on that right. aspect. And we had an amazing support and crew there and an amazing group of performers that would activate him and bring him to life every night. Um, this Macbeth is just humans in space listening and talking with some fabric. It's right. really <laughs> essentialized and it all lays on us. So in some ways there is more pressure because there's more lying on the individual um, in doing a show like this. Um, but uh, we're not dependent on all these other things. Um, so your background, it's, it's very diverse and you've performed in uh, at, or at so many of the nonprofits off Broadway, and you've done a lot of different types of work, whether it's new plays or revivals or classics or musicals. Is there a particular reason why you are so flexible as an artist, uh, and you're able to do that instead of just sticking to one genre, like just doing classic plays or just doing kind of new contemporary works? You know mm. what what allows you to kind of do all of these different things? Because there's some actors you see that kind of do stick to the one kind of territory that they're most comfortable in? I think I, um, A, am very lucky. <laughs> and B, uh, I always loved the sort of, um, I was obsessed with all the like British actors when I was young, like Ray Fiennes. Uh, and I loved Richard Burton at a very young age, which is very strange. And, um, and, and they have a sort of 
ability to go back and forth between all these different yeah. um, genres. And I guess I always really respected that and was hoping to have a career like that. I will say the majority of my work has been working on new plays, particularly in the off-Broadway world. That is um, where I've spent the majority of my time. And I, um, I, I really enjoy that work. New plays are very hard. I will say yeah. new musicals are the hardest, <laughs> um, just because there's other aspects involved with it. Um, so I feel very lucky. I try to be drawn to stuff that I am drawn to. I don't, I think I'm not an actor that's easy to put in a box. I mean, there are certain actors, a lot of actors that I love that are a very particular thing. And then they just, that's what they do. And I don't know necessarily if I'm that kind of actor, but I appreciate that because it allows me to have a wide um, spectrum of things to do. And I think it's also important to, I was scared to do this. I was scared to come back to Shakespeare. I was scared to do Shakespeare in, a, in as intimate a space as this. Yeah. Um, but I knew I wanted the challenge of um, getting out of my own way yeah. and speaking on the text and being on the text. And that's what drew me to this particular project. My next project will be um, a musical. And I'm excited to go back to that world because King Kong did not allow me the chance to sing. Well, you didn't sing in the show I at all. I did not oh, have any songs in the show. And so I'm looking forward to showing that I actually can Can't and sing. do sing <laughs> um, in a musical. So that will be my next job, which I'm looking forward to. So you kind of follow you know, what it is you're looking f for. And I think what I was really looking for after 10 months, particularly of um, a big budget musical was yeah. coming back to something that was um, act more actor driven yeah. than that particular show. Um, and I was scared to approach the language and scared to work on Shakespeare again. And because it had been about seven years and uh, was excited by that challenge. So I think you're always looking for what challenges you. Uh -huh. And um, and that's what's driven me. If I'm a little scared of it, then I really want to do it. Yeah. Uh, in 2015, you were in a uh, famous Broadway production, Misery, mm -hmm. based on the Stephen King novel that starred Laurie Metcalf and Bruce Willis. Um, and you were the the standby for Paul Sheldon, which is Bruce Willis's character. Yes. Yes. Um, is there anything you particularly remember from that experience, or any fun stories that you care to share? Sure. Um, it was. Um, I never thought I would go back to Broadway, um, and so it was really exciting for me to go back to Broadway. Uh, it was my first time in about, oh gosh, 15 years being on Broadway when I did that show. Wow. So I was really excited to go back. I was the fight captain on it, which was very hard <laughs> and challenging. Yeah, because there's quite a bit of There's quite a bit of violence, violence in, in the show. show. Yeah. Um, and it was intimidating to... Um, so were you, you were involved in the, in the famous scene with the the legs what do they call it when they yes yes uh, and i actually got to put my legs in it and, oh, and, and do the whole thing yeah so yeah she breaks his legs on stage <laughs> and, um just like what happens in the movie and i believe the novel as well yeah. and so um they call uh, hobbling or yes hobbling she or hobbles, hobbles him, him. Yeah. yes um but it was intimidating to work with you know <laughs> a action superstar Bruce Willis, yeah. um, and also Laurie Metcalf, who's an actor I knew from Chicago. I'm originally from there and spent a number of years there and yeah. admire her work greatly. So I was intimidated, but we worked it out. We <laughs> we worked out how we were gonna um, how we were gonna do it all. So Bruce is great. He's super super nice, and he diffuses. He's really famous, like sure, and has been really <laughs> famous for a long, long time. time. Yeah, and the way that he 
deals with his fame is he he immediately like neutralizes it so he's he immediately comes up to you and shakes your hand and and just eliminates any strangeness or weirdness uh -huh. and i so appreciate that because we kind of came in to the first day of rehearsal like oh my gosh and he was so um warm and kind and i and i so appreciate that and it's such a way to look that i don't ever want to be that famous and it would be very hard to be that famous he's very comfortable in it and he's very good at being famous and he was really excited to do the show and to be on broadway it's been like a lifelong dream and there's there's nothing better than that than watching someone's sort of lifelong dream come to fruition yeah. i got to see it in king kong too where you know these actors who had spent years trying Straight. to be on Broadway, yeah. making their Broadway debut, and it, it, there's nothing like it. Yeah. So I, I'll take that away from it. It was a great paycheck. Um, <laughs> Did we, you get to go on? I went on. I covered um, the, the police officer yes. as well, and I went on for a show as the police officer. Um, so I got to be shot in the chest and dragged off stage by Lori, <laughs> which was which was great and she was great the day i went on mm. you know often understudies get kind of thrown on sure last minute and we had a one scene in particular the entire set revolved an amazing set by yeah. the great dave corns and the whole set revolved and i had never worked the scene on the full revolve and laurie metcalf said are we going to work the scene on the revolve I'm like no it's going to be fine and she's like no no we work the oh, scene wow. on the revolve and she made that happen, happen That's before really the show which was i so appreciated yeah um, she didn't have to do that, but she knew like it would help the performance. We have to. You. He has to do yeah. that. Yeah. So I'm, I'll be forever really cool. grateful to that for her. And they were so lovely. Um, the, the show I went on, but it, it was a fascinating experience. Yeah. Um, uh, and it was crazy. I would never have wanted to go on for Bruce because it was like a 1100 rabid fans Bruce waiting. Willis fans yeah, that would have, that have been like? <laughs> yeah, would have been so upset not to have seen him. Yeah. And he knew that as well and never missed That's a show. Sure. That's yeah. um, so some people may not know this, but you're married to writer and director Laura Eason. Um, she's known for many things, but probably most popularly writing the play Sex with Strangers and also writing for the TV show House of Cards. Now, Macbeth and Lady Macbeth in our production, Corey Stoll and Nadia Bowers, um, they're a couple in real life, mm -hmm. and you and Laura have also worked together on previous productions. What is that like, and, and are there challenges? Are there benefits? How does, how does that work, working with your partner on stage and then having you know, that offstage life as well? It is unique. You have to set boundaries. You have to kind of, yeah. I mean, when Laura and I worked together, our longest time working together was on, we met doing a play acting together called Metamorphoses. We were one of three um, marriages that came out of um, this play that our dear friend Mary Zimmerman wrote and directed or adapted and directed. And did um, you do that from Chicago here to New York and then on Broadway? Yeah, as well? oh, yeah, wow. I followed the whole journey of it. We actually created it um, in college, my senior year of college. It was called Six Myths. And we, Mary was using the resources of the Northwest, Northwestern Theater Department to audition a set for a different production of hers. Oh, really? She wanted to do her Odyssey on a water set, so she was auditioning a water set. And it kind of became its own thing. And then um, Looking Glass came to see it. Um, my wife, Laura, is an ensemble member of Looking Glass Theater Company in Chicago. She also ran the company for a number of years. Um, so we met doing that play, which was magical and great. Um, and we loved acting together, clearly, because we fell in love and <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, eventually got married. And then we worked mostly on a production um, uh, uh, she did an adaptation of Ethan Frome, 
at Looking Glass, which she adapted and directed. We had a young, our daughter was about um, nine months or, oh, she was just over a year when we did that show, sorry. And so it was an opportunity for us all to be in Chicago together, together with our young daughter. Yeah, yeah. So it was a really exciting time. Is challenging not to leave your work at work. You 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 know it's easier when you have a kid because you go and you focus on the kid. Um, but um, we did have to set some boundaries in terms of, you know. Um, uh, what we were allowed to talk about at home, what we could say yeah. at home. We tried to keep most of that in the rehearsal room, which was great. We had a great time working on it. Um, and I'd love to work with Laura again. Great. Um, she's not writing any parts for me right now, but <laughs> it's because she's focusing on television. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you so much, Eric. It was really great chatting with you, and, and I wish you the best for the remainder of the run. Thanks. And, um, I'm sad it's going to be over, but we've, I've had such a great time. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll see you again at CSC. I hope so. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks for joining us for the CSC podcast. We'll be back later this winter with more exciting interviews with artists from our upcoming productions of Dracula by Kate Hamill and Frankenstein by Tristan Bernays. For more information on Classic Stage Company, visit us online at classicstage.org.